0: Welcome to Ministers Life and Work, brought to you by Bob Yunker. A Ministers Life and Work podcast strives to provide you with solid content with clarity and relevancy, providing you clear options of application to our culture and with an eternal purpose. We'll touch on a variety of discussions and topics that revolve around my life and work as a minister of a small rural church in Eastern Oregon. Some of these topics may include the Bible, the news, church culture, marriage, parenting, billiards, running, and even include some reviews of books I've been reading. I'll try to end each episode with three life applications. Let's begin. All right, thanks for uh, listening to Bob Yunker's podcast, Minister's Life and Work. I have in this, I would say studio, but I don't have a studio. It's in my office. Being a, a pastor of a small rural church in Eastern Oregon, we don't have the luxuries of having a studio. So we are sitting around, I say we, I have two incredible individuals that are in this makeshift studio and if you're listening and you hear some background noise like a, a skill saw being uh, used, well, they're literally, someone is cutting up wood outside this makeshift studio. But here with me is two special guests of mine. One is my son named Josiah Yonker. Josiah, say hello and...
1: Hey. Hey, guys.
0: Uh, Misty Porter, another blasted gal. Say hi, Misty. Hey,
1: everybody.
0: So I have promoted, advertised that we would deal with Fear is a Liar. I'm going to try to input that song if I can get away with some of the rights to use the song. But Zach Williams has a song called Fear is a Liar. Misty, you've heard that song? I have heard that song. Josiah? Yes. you probably heard that. How many times have you heard that song already?
1: About three or four times.
0: Three or four times. And so... Uh, we have listened to that song in our car just the other day and uh, we'll get to the, the story behind why I wanted to use episode three's Fear is a Liar. I've invited Misty and Josiah for this episode dealing fear he is a liar uh, because the reality that all of us in this room has experienced some type of panic attack or some type of social anxiety. So Misty, if you you have dealt with both or
1: both in a sense that social anxiety was happening. Like it'll happen in a grocery store just suddenly, Yeah. but mostly panic attacks a lot when I was working on my dissertation and one just recently that actually got me out of jury duty. So really?
0: Wow. And so you mentioned dissertation. Mm -hmm. Um, I know, I know what you do as volunteer, but give uh, our listeners a little bit background of you, Misty Porter. Mm -hmm.
1: I actually have a doctorate in art, history, and culture. Wow. I um, wrote my dissertation on steampunk of all things. Wow. Which is kind of fun. Um, But during that time, you know, it can get stressful. School is stressful. So I had due dates coming up and just freaking out over, you know, minute little things. I see things in a big picture. And breaking it into those steps causes anxiety yeah so, overwhelming it is it's overwhelming overwhelming so I just had an issue with breaking everything down and it's crazy I end up you know crying in the middle of my bathroom floor but, oh my goodness yep to wow. the point where sometimes I make myself throw up you know they're, they're that bad yeah but, Yep.
0: well Josiah you're my son but yeah. can you relate to some of the fear he is a liar some social anxieties and some panic attacks
2: yeah um I have the same, I mean, when it comes to school feels as Missy does, um, except that it hasn't gotten to that extreme level. Um, but um, when homework was due, when um, I'd walk into certain classes and just feel all this pressure around huh. me, knowing I have a book report or something that it just, everything just collapsed. Mm. I would have to go and get water. I'd have to go and just have a break by myself, and school, it's tough. I mean, you can't... Mm-hmm. They're not going to go and say, yeah, you can be by yourself for 30 minutes. So, it would be really tough for me to get over that in a matter of a couple minutes when school was starting. And so, I pretty much would have to listen to music and just basically pretend I was fine throughout that whole entire time. Then I would go home in a really bad mood. Yeah. And and it it would be just every day. Yeah. From 7th grade all the way until just recently.
0: And you mentioned music. You I know we've had good conversations how has music played a part in um dealing with panic attacks or social anxieties?
2: Um well, it um part of it is that this gives me something else to focus on. Um, to just listen to, so uh, if something I don't like, like a, so, like if I'm in a place I don't like, I can have another theme to focus on besides having to deal with that yeah. head on. And then number two, it just helps, um, just that you're not alone. Yeah. I mean, depends on what music you listen to and what song, but um, it just helps that you're not alone mm-hmm. on that. It um, and they're almost like the artist is speaking to you. Yeah. Um, if you're, especially if you're in in alone setting, like mm-hmm. no one out there, the, um, it feels like the artist is speaking directly to you. Yeah. So I think that's, that's a beautiful thing about music.
0: Absolutely. Has it, does it one also create a distraction?
2: Yeah, it creates a distraction in some bad ways and some good ways. Mm. Um, in bad ways, you know, it, you know, you could just, um, try to numb the anxiety or anything, huh? but not face it and then it gets worse and worse and then yeah and then when it gets to that boiling point you don't know what to do because all you've been doing is just isolating yourself mm. yeah to a point. but it's also good if it's a situation just if you need a breather uh-huh. you can just listen to music and just breathe and not yeah. have anyone bother you or anything and it just helps yeah but like I said earlier it helps you focus on something uh-huh. else besides or the same with the anxiety sure. you can focus on both and it's comforting. Gotcha. Like, it can be comforting. Yeah.
0: Misty, you said something that got you out of jury duty. You got me right? out of jury duty. Got you, I'm going to get to that in just a minute. <laughs> uh, it uh, being, You mentioned something about being overwhelmed with all the details, right? All the details. Yeah. All the details. And then, Josiah, you mentioned school and that when you move from public school to charter school, one of the things that was really, really um, heavy on you and a lot of pressures was that progress graph that was on the screen that would tell you how much homework you had. How did that help you with your... It
2: didn't didn't help me one bit. It was, they, what it would do is you would log into your school thing and it would have all your different programs, like school things that you would do, like social studies, like um, math, and they'll show sort a of progress bar on, like, how far you into this crash for the year. So what they'll do is they'll, like, have, like, an 80%, if you're 80% completion with that program, it will show a bar. The problem, it sounds like it's not a horrible idea if it's, like, you know, if it's, um it shows you, hey, you're this far along in your crash. You don't have to go in, in public school. You really don't know only by so much the end of the year. And it helps with um when you're, like, online, you know, you can get done in, like, three months, and it shows you that. The problem is, is that it updates in a way where if you get behind in something, it will stop at that, but then the graph will keep going. So it basically says you are right here when you're supposed to be at this point. So you so for my instance, I had a bunch of things happen during school year. I moved houses, a couple of dogs died. And so, and then that hole I got in a hole, and it, they would show you that hole. They would mm. show you in that. They would show you what, why, like it just was horrible. They would show you. I would be. I got thirteen percent done with my class, and you're supposed to be at forty. Ooh. And it it for every single class.
0: Yeah. So it was a. In it's a. It wasn't a healthy reminder. No, it was. Every not. time you logged on, it just it yeah. it can con- and
2: it. When you would get into that crash, it would show that you'd have to physically exit that out for it to show. Oh. And I would get emails after emails saying you're behind. And it's like, no, wait, no, I thought I was, I thought I was finished with everything. I know I'm behind. I see it every day. <laughs> I see it every 20 minutes. And so it was not a healthy reminder. I don't think if you're a teacher or if anything, don't try to remind your kid that you're, they're behind only if they in reality do not know. Because if you like, let's say you missed a like a day, going to someone and said you're behind. is like, no, I thought I was. You don't do that to someone (laughs) because they know that they're behind. You don't just keep on them after minding them. That gives them no motivation
0: to do it. So it buries you. It'll it'll suppress and it'll be like the procrastination, the law of just procrastination. Yeah, it just doesn't help. Well, I know, Missy, you're a teacher, and so, but there, as a teacher, there is those healthy places of. Prodding your students mm-hmm. and encouraging them and informing, uh, this program just, re- always just if you got behind. So.
1: That's horrible. Yeah. I don't think I could deal with yeah, like
0: crazy, that. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy. It, <laughs> it was, it was, uh, I, I, I can imagine.
2: What, well, something that, sorry. No, go ahead. But, so, but something that really made me upset is the principal too is a very straightforward person.
1: hmm.
2: And, He's a great football coach, he's a great sports guy, but he's very loud and very upfront. Got it. And when you're behind, um, there'll be a couple of times we will be in meetings every two weeks to check in, you know, and it got to a point where he said in front of my face pretty much that basically you're not trying. He pretty much said that and also said you're you're not going to graduate if you keep this up. And it's like, and I have like, an, you don't, that's, that's not a
0: good motivating no, factor for you That's not a that, good that, motivating yeah, you already,
2: tool. You all, he knows me for a while. Like, he's known me for about eight plus years. And you already know, I, I get no motivation in general to do schoolwork. <laughs> like, I, it could be like the best, and I'm just like, oh, I don't want to do that. But telling your kid into your first year that's not going to graduate is the most, is horrible. You don't, gotcha. you don't do that to a kid.
0: So, um, what led us to this, is in this episode of Why I Want to Deal with Fear, He is a Liar, uh, Fear is a Liar, is that uh, my family took a trip to Bend, Oregon a couple weeks back. And we were dealing with this song, as I mentioned earlier, Fear, He is a Liar by Zach Williams. And so we were dealing with uh, this song. Oh, and then we were dealing with the song by uh, Kesha and McLemore called Good Old Days. And it uh sort of deals with I wish I would have had the the um guts to ask her talking about going to a dance and just reminiscing about some past stuff and you sorta of had to deal with some regrets and who would have thought that this would be the good old days and so my mind was already going to this road of um uh, dealing with with fears of not asking and not moving and just being stuck. So then we went to Bend, went to McMiniman's, and we watched the movie Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Yeah. And One so um, that's where we're heading to now. I'm going to have Misty and Josiah sort of help process what they have visualized. Or what we've seen visualize a panic attack. And for those who are listening who have, who have experienced a panic attack, I think you can re- relate and resonate with where we're going to go next in this conversation. So, uh, Josiah is going to give us a little bit of a quick summary. I think in some ways cliff notes mm-hmm. uh, about this movie. And so we won't have a whole lot of time yeah. to, to die, uh, die in, die, dig into excuse me, this movie. But there's a specific scene. In fact, I put this on my post about a mic drop. Like the one thing, like this is it in the movie. So before we describe the, the scene itself, Josiah, uh, tell us a little bit about some of the main characters and and so on. Then we'll move into the scene. All
2: right. So pretty much the cliff note version of this movie, there's a, a cat that's named Puss in Boots. Um, he is a, if you've seen Shrek, any of the Shrek movies, that pretty much every person in the world has. They, um, or I think the second movie. It's a, per, it's a cat that is um, fearless. He is, he loves to go in danger. He loves to, he's very, he's eager. He has this big ego about himself. And in the beginning of the movie, you know, fights this big monstrous looking rock creature. And he does it pretty much with ease. Um, Pretty much does it with his eyes closed pretty much. And at the end of that fight, as he's seen a song about himself, because of course he is, hmm. he gets hit with a bell and dies. And with the whole theory of that cats cats have nine lives, he just basically just wakes up in a doctor's office. And so, um, pretty much the summary of that thing is that he, that, that was his second to final life. He's now died eight times and he's on his final life. And he thinks nothing of it pretty much, um, for the next couple of minutes. And then he goes into this bar with, you know, he's just drinking milk. He's just like talking to himself pretty much. And then, guy comes in just a out of the blue just out of thin air and there's a he there's a scene where he i'm not sure if this was one of the scenes but he almost dies he gets cut in the head mm-hmm. and as he open as he touches the blood everything just anxiety p- picks up his life flashes before his eyes everything is just he just realizes this is this is his last life. So he goes runs he runs away, um to this retirement cat retirement home. It's a pretty funny thing where what basically picture her crazy cat
1: lady house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It um and he lives there. I'm not sure how long, I'm not sure if it says, but then he gets this thing from Goldilocks and the Three Bears, and that has a totally another layer to it as their relationship in this movie. But we're not talking about that relationship. But there's a whole another layer to it, and they're looking for a wishing star that grants you any wish you want, one wish for any wishes you want. And so Puss think says, "Oh, well, um, I'm I can." Wish for nine more lives. And so the whole movie pretty much deals with him and his fiance, um, just, um, going out and trying to find this wishing star. And it's a whole rollercoaster of a, a movie. There's another evil villain that's not necessarily important, but he's, you know, big. And he kind of brings another layer into the movie, not really. It's pretty much as a throwaway. Hey, here's a, um, evil villain to keep the kids entertain, but it has another layer, it has a layer to his relation, to his life, but that's...
0: You said that there's one Particular uh, character in the movie that we just need to be aware of. And by the way, on this is a spoiler. Uh, we've already spoiled quite a bit, which is fine. This is where we we needed to go. Pretty much all the trailers. Um, sure. But there is one character in particular that I want I want you to hone in on, Misty. You have seen uh, a good portion of the clips of this movie, mm-hmm. so Josiah, ge- gear us up for that one character. And what specific thing does this character do? to help remind Puss that he only has one more life left.
2: So he is a wolf that has red eyes um, and has a black hood on with two Sith knives, not sure what okay. they're called. Sickles. Um, sickles, yeah. And he doesn't look intimidating. He does for a children's cartoon, he's intimidating. But he whistles in this very chilling way. And it brings goosebumps down Puss's neck. And I think all of our next when we first heard it, that every time he shows up in the background or right in front of his face, he does that, and it's a reminder that he that he's on his final. It's just the clock ticking. Mm-hmm. It is like a it's like a tick when the um, mm-hmm. clock goes. That's pretty much what it is, um, in its own chilling way. That's... I think it's.
0: So I'm going to pause you there, um, Misty. I'm going to let you take off there and. Um... Whenever um, the cat puss hears that whistle, do you remember what what the cat does?
1: He freaks out, and yeah, I watched a few of the yeah. the videos where he just stops, freezes, and I, and just you can watch the hair just stand up on his arm. Yeah,
0: and then and then, then um, let's see, it's a flip of a coin. Who wants to describe? I'm gonna let Josiah describe, and you fill in the blanks of the the mic drop scene.
2: Okay, all right, cool. Okay, what happens? Well. There's a scene where everyone's fighting, and a puss has like this little knife. Very, like a little one. And in that whole scene, he is getting closer to death. Like there's things blowing up in his face.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's a total shift from what he was in the beginning of the movie. In the beginning of the movie, he would run towards the angel and he's right. laughing, singing songs as he's fighting. But in this one he is like a cat. He is jumping. He's not um he's very just scared. And as something blows up in his face that whistle comes up.
0: Can anybody do the whistle? I can't do the whistle. But you almost I, I like, can't. But <laughs> I I wish I can. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can whistle you, can,
1: yourself, you can you so try it. But...
0: Try. Okay, missy, you try a whistle. Can I you whistle? Can
1: whistle? But I can't whistle that whistle. Yeah.
0: Okay. So there's that whistle and, and... we got
1: to hear the whistle like one time last night, so. Thanks. Gotcha.
0: So then he hears a whistle. What happens next? Misty, would you mind taking over and explain what happens after everything's just, he's running.
1: He's running through the woods and he's hallucinating. I mean, he's seeing that wolf creature in branches staring at him. He thinks he's being attacked. He's... Running through, and he sees a tree stump, and that wolf is standing up on that tree stump, but it's mm. not really that. Yeah. You know, you're hallucinating and seeing things that aren't really there. And he ends up under a tree, and his heart is just pounding. And the really creepy part about that movie is the whole scene goes silent, and all you hear is the pounding of Puss's heart. Gotcha. Puss! What's <laughs> wrong? <laughs> Oh, my God.
3: going on with you puss I I am down to my last life and uh, I I am afraid well it's okay to be afraid no not for pussy moods I, I, I'm supposed to be a fearless hero a legend but without life to spare I am nothing I need that wish
1: to get my life back you should tell Kitty. She would understand. No, 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 no. She cannot hear out of the ears. Okay? I've been there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I can relate to that. Rito. Something C- like that. Okay, anyway, gotcha. He comes chasing after him, you know, carrying his hat, because of course, Puss is supposed to be a hero. And he finds Puss under this tree, breathing hard, just his eyes are closed, and I mean, he's shaky. You can see that he's physically like, frozen yeah. in, in fear. And then that little dog just lays his head on his stomach and I think he grounds him, you know, and Puss like reaches over and he pets his head and he's just like, <sighs> and I've been there. I, I know that feeling. Sure. My cat does that. Actually. It gives you a little bit of mm-hmm. uh, centering. It does. Just,
0: okay. Josiah. So what view camera angle does the, the movie um, show?
2: It shows the, a quick POV shot. I think a pro, yeah, POV shot sort of looking up towards burrito. The, yeah. yeah, right. But he's—I forgot the entire scene because I've only watched it once. Um But in a little bit of a side note, that the dog in the movie, there's a section where he says all he wants to do is lay his head on someone,
1: Aww. And comfort
2: someone, That's because cute. the dogs had a tragic backstory that I think grounds the characters more. Um And in that scene, um, in a couple scenes before that, he says all he wants to do is lay his head down and comfort people.
1: Oh, well, he did that. And he
2: yeah. and he did that in uh, more ways than I think he would have realized. <laughs> but um, it's not overdone. Mm-mm. It is not like all mov- what all movies do where it's a, this whole huge ordeal
1: mm-hmm.
2: and it is just silent with a heart pounding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's more realistic than realistic movies can get it. Right. Yeah. And it, oh, um, I've seen um before I saw this movie I saw the, some of the spoilers for it but as I was watching that movie I was watch, watching that scene I almost cried because it was so
1: impactful I did actually cry yeah I re i was
0: I was torn up I was torn up at this movie and I was crying Josiah was sitting next to me and I was not ready for all the layers Josiah mentioned layers this movie was unraveling. Layers. To me, and uh, he just—I reminded. In fact, uh, I forgot that burrito. That dynamic of laying his head on Mm -hmm. something. The heart pounding, Misty and Josiah, you mentioned the heart pounding, pounding, pound, and then it speeds up, speeds up, speeds Mm -hmm. up. And all of us in this room and those who have been listening who have had a panic attack can relate to this cycle that takes place that your stress and panic attack and anxiety attack is creating a physical response to something that is in the mind. It's nothing maybe literally going on in our real world, but it's going on in our mind. I like to use the word catastrophizing. Mm -hmm. And so heart pounds, and then all of a sudden, you both, it lays Brito lays his head on the chest, I believe it is, of Puss. And then what happens next?
1: Puss takes a deep breath and closes his eyes and starts to, you know, he reaches over. I remember he reached over and he's just like barely touching the top of the puppy's head. And he's just like, like he's grounding himself. He's literally feeling that there's somebody there. Yeah. You know, it, it brings him back. Out of whatever hallucination he was in, but he's still, I mean, he's still not over it. Yeah. But he's coming yeah. back. Yeah. You know, you're coming back to the point where he can actually talk and, yeah. you know, people can kind of reason with him yeah. a little bit, but Whew. I know, I know I've had moments yeah. and I know that I've had even a moment in a grocery store and I was, the poor guy was trying to reach for a lemon around me because mm. I'm freaking out in the middle of the vegetable department. And right. <laughs> I, you know, and if it weren't for my husband coming over and going, hey, you okay? Gotcha. You know, I, it would have been bad, but, um, but yeah, that moment of grounding, mm. you know, I can, I can't talk myself down but somebody else can yeah. or the animals can.
0: So, uh, let's revisit something, Misty. You mentioned the jury, the, oh, jury duty. Uh, getting jury duty. Cause <laughs> I, I, I received a phone call. Yes. Um. So walk us through that moment because there's a backstory that I... You, there is. But go ahead.
1: So I I had been summoned for jury duty, I want to say three times before this. And I finally said, I'm going to have to just do this. I've gotcha. heard it this much. Um. But every past that I've ever had in a courthouse with my ex-husband before Dan uh-huh. and everybody... Um, nothing good has ever come out of that. Mm. You know, I mean, he ended up in jail for three months twice. Gotcha. Um, you know, I had issues with my daughter, you know, in high school when she ended up having to go into a courtroom and was ordered to go to school because she skipped school for three months. Um, I mean, so nothing good has ever come out of a courthouse. And I walked into the room and our courthouse is three stories. I know a lot of people are going to hear this and not know that. But, um, by the time I hit the second floor, I couldn't breathe. Really? I knew where I was going. I could not breathe. Um, Dan went with me that morning because I was already freaking out the night uh-huh. before. Um, got up to the second floor. Couldn't breathe. Get to the top of the stairs, and I'm in line, and they're just, you know, like, what's your number? What's your number? Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. Like, gotcha. my whole mind went blank, and I don't really remember anything. After like a that. fog? Was it, like, yeah. even more than
0: a, like, blank or a fog? It, it was like mo- a
1: fog. Like, gotcha. I remember seeing silhouettes of people around me, but I don't I couldn't tell you what they were or who yeah. they were. And I remember Dan grabbing me on ar- my arm and pulling me out of line and he took me aside and he talked to the lady and he goes, Um, she's not gonna be able to do this today. Mm. And the lady says, What do you mean? And all I remember telling her is I'm an like, anxiety attack. Oh. And I'm breathing hard, sure. my heart is pounding. And we got downstairs. She let me go. We get downstairs and he get you get in the car and i finally started to realize that i wasn't in that courtroom and it took me about the 5 minutes to get downstairs outside before i realized what was going on and it was it was horrible experience yeah. I'm like shaking thinking about it um but that was one of the worst panic attacks i've ever had called the doctor that afternoon and she guys she writes me a note so she will never do jury duty again oh my goodness wow it <laughs> yeah. was
0: that it was it, it was, was that that bad, that bad. Yeah.
1: And it took me about three days to come off that adrenaline yeah. rush after that. So was, that's not normal for me. Usually I can come down in a couple hours. Sure. But, yeah, it was about three days. And that's when I called you and I yeah. was like, we need to talk.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> that was um, memorable, mm-hmm. memorable. in, And we walked through a little bit of the backstory about mm-hmm. the courthouse, the smells, mm-hmm. the sights, and the sounds Every of started. everything that, that triggers, if you will, mm-hmm. that's a sort of a nuanced word now is the word trigger, but that was a mental trigger Mm -hmm. for you. Anything that has to do with the courthouse or jury, it was just like brings you into that one.
1: I can't even go in there to pay the tax bill. Yeah. It's weird. I can't.
0: Pulling up to the parking lot. So you have to get yourself worked up.
1: You do. Just sort
0: of to get the courage Mm -hmm. to do it. Um, Josiah, I mentioned in my post, like hashtag hashtag, uh, social anxieties. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've had some experiences in school, you know, we talked about the homework stuff, but that that's one element.
2: I've had both panic and social anxieties. Gotcha. Um, I'll touch on both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because as we're on the panic attack subject, um, it was about a person who thought we did something that we didn't do. And it took a long time to get that um, resolved. Okay. We finally got it resolved. I was freaking out. Normally, because my life could get ruined from this. Mm-hmm. And then I got a message in church. I think it was um night service. Mm-hmm. It was a couple months before that.
0: Wow.
2: And I started freaking out. Like I, My heart was pounding. And I, ha- I went to the other room. But, and it was hard to get me out it, um luckily i can have it where i can calm myself down a little bit to be functional and be like okay um i'm gonna go into the car i'm gonna do this mm-hmm. and i remember going to the car and i waited there for hours it was not hours but it was like an hour It could have
1: felt like hours yeah. yeah it
2: was a long time and it felt like time was moving slowly i was trying to text my friend i couldn't mm-hmm. i was just at a point where i don't know i didn't know what to do and i remember my mom Comes into the car and my body was hurting. Mm-hmm. Like everything was hurting. She put it all on my chest.
0: So, can you relate to when the the head of burrito on.
2: It was my mom tapping my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Letting it gave me know you calmness. That, yeah, hey, this is. And it was from my mom. It was from a person that I trust, that I. She love. has that
1: ability though. Yeah.
2: She's pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> Some, days. And some Ooh. days. Some days, Um, But I remember. Um, putting her arm, um, on my shoulder and it was, and it felt like God put her hand on my shoulder as well. Um, because it was a mess. We, everything got resolved, so.
0: Switching gears. What about the social but stuff?
2: Social stuff, um, when I was about seventh grade, um, heading to eighth, we decided to move from middle school to Ukraine. Um, middle school was horrible. That's a whole nether sneaking subject. It was just a horrible experience, 6th mm-hmm. and 7th grade. I was a bad kid. I got in trouble a lot. So we, we moved schools. And I had, to, and I had about 4 or 5 friends that were there. Mm-hmm. That were there that I trusted with my life. We were brothers. We, we did everything together. I invited them to sleepovers every other week. It was just, we all, we were there and there was a bunch of drama that happened in between that. But towards the end of the year, I felt like everything got resolved. We just went on a field trip. We were all fine. Um, one of them just made an Instagram post about me back when we were still using Instagram posts. And it was like just like chilling with, with our umbrellas bros. And it was just like, I felt everything was resolved. Everything was fine. I go and I, on the bus, um, I remember ahead and I said, hey, maybe we can like figure out a way to hang out this next week. And he said, maybe, um, which was kind of a red flag, but I didn't see it. Um, because, you know, I say maybe to everything when it comes to that. But he never said it. He said it in a way that looking back on it, now, I should have realized. But a couple of weeks later, I heard nothing from anyone. It was absolutely quiet throughout everything.
0: So you went from uh, friendships and all that stuff until uh, like all of a sudden. Yeah, to alone. When I you was... say silence, that, what you, are you meaning that? You it you had no friends, so you no one would talk to you. Yeah,
2: I no one would like it was like I everyone I everyone I knew that I actually talked to on a daily basis just didn't talk to me. So I was sitting there alone, and it was to a point where I was getting mentally in my head a little bit because it was no one was talking to me. The only ones that were my mom and dad and my brother and they're not that's not the same as having somebody else out on the outside talking to me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it I um and I realized that they just weren't gonna talk to me. And I had and I realized I have to go to school with them this next year. And I ended up I had a panic attack in that kind of deal where I was like, I gotta I gotta Hey, now I gotta be in the same building, the people that I spent money on, I just watched Endgame with them just four months ago. I, I took, I, I we were brothers, everyone, we real all friends with them. And all of a sudden, now they just don't even have to exist.
0: Hmm. In fact, if I can uh, recall, and and is that, uh, by the way, if you're listening, we live in a, a small eastern Oregon town, and we're, he was responsible Regarding school, it's a really small school. His class is probably 25 students or so, maybe 30. I could be really wrong. But it's really small. And so now we're dealing with with friendships. And then all of a sudden, the door is slammed shut. He doesn't have the friends anymore. And he's got to go to lunch, got to go to classes with the same kids every day, which many of us had to do. But we're talking a small small, uh, environment. And then he came collapsing into my bed saying, I feel all alone <clears throat> yeah i feel isolated
2: it was i remember there was a girl that i was there that was friends with everybody and i remember sitting in a math class and she we were talking but then she ended up leaving the com- our conversation and i out with the other kids were just fine you know mm-hmm. i'm just sitting here chilling out listening to music i'm not paying attention but i look and it feels like everyone was having so much fun over there mm-hmm. everyone was having so much laughter so much joy, and I was thinking back. That was me. I was in that spot with them, laughing, um, having fun, and I. To the like, I never had. Um, after that, I never laughed as hard, like as when I was with them. I, my body my like whole, my mental health was so much better with them. I was, and now that it's not, it was just rough. No one, in, no one in school was going to come and talk to me, only if they needed something like a pencil or anything like that. And even when they did, I cherished those moments. I was like, wait, you need something from me? <laughs> wow, that's interesting. So, um, but I felt alone. Mm. No one was talking to me. I felt I got claustrophobic a little bit. Wow. Every, it, felt, it felt like everyone's against me. It's like God was against me. Because you take all my friends that I had in my life, Every person that I hang out with, and just rip them away, and not even like any like give up towards, you just rip it away in no a matter of like a snap. It I was felt alone in every way possible.
0: Hmm. I'm gonna take I'm gonna run with that, Missy. So when it comes to – because you mentioned God in here, so Missy in in the midst of your panic attack at the uh, at the courthouse and some some background stuff. Um, how had panic attacks and those things, how did they interfere or help or cause some challenges regarding your spiritual walk?
1: Well, I mean, I think if I would have had a closer relationship with God while I was actually in school and that kind of thing, I think that I would have been able to turn, you know, towards him a lot more. Gotcha. Um, But this last one, I mean, I we've been coming to the church for what two years now? Mm-hmm. Almost two years. So um, this last one, I think that that was that was one of the things I was I knew that could help me through. Gotcha. And I can't remember the verse, but I have it in my Bible and it's bookmarked. That literally says something about anxiety.
0: Yep, and we're gonna read that. In fact, it's <laughs> awesome that that's you bring it up. So I have it right in my my Bible here. So go yeah, so you had a scripture reference. I do right? have a scripture reference. Gotcha. And
1: I turned right to it, but I can't remember yeah. the exact verse right now. But um after I that that day in the courthouse and Dan got me home and we were at you know, sitting on the couch, that's the first thing I did was flip open to that that verse. But
0: I just have a bookmark. So, <laughs> well, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna have either one of you read this verse because it's a it's a um, go-to passage for me. Um, Josiah, would you be willing? You, you don't have to describe very in, in great detail, but this challenged you spiritually. That time challenged you spiritually, and so and, you said something very poignant to me that I think our listeners can understand and some of them may uh, relate to you. This has been tough on you spiritually.
2: It, it has. It has been rough. I already was in a crossroads with God, um, especially when you live in a Christian household where everyone is. You get those questions and you get those, like, I think every middle school, school or high school who's been in a Christian home, some of them have that question, have those doubts.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And it, it really hit me... Um, Spiritually, because I thought I had everything. I thought, not say everything, but I thought my everything was going the right direction Mm -hmm. in my life and um, our family's life. Um, I feel like everything was starting to um, point in the right direction after what happened in middle school.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And after what happened then, that what happened in um, that summer of high school, freshman year. It felt like I only had a year of a good year, and then all of a sudden everything just got ripped away, and that was rough on my. That was rough on me spiritually because I was like, "What happened? Did I do something wrong? Did I just make God mad or something like that? Like, what did I do to get that to that point?"
0: Yeah, what did you do deserve this?
2: Yeah, uh, and I and I I probably did deserve something because I think everyone just des- deserves. You know, but it's, um, but, um, like, what did I do this time almost? It was like, you were being punished. You felt like yeah, you were being I was, punished. I was being, yeah, I was being punished for something. Did I say too many cuss words at this point in time. Did I do this? Right. Did I do that? <laughs> I was going in my head of sure. all the other things I did wrong. Makes sense. Yeah. And I was, and it, yeah, I was. What did punished.
0: it do with your, cause I, I, I'm fishing for something really, really, there's one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to fish for this. You had. Let's prayer. There's a yeah. prayer, and it came to a conclusion of yours. And I think our listeners would probably um, be uh, impactful by your prayer. The conclusion.
2: Um, I'm, I'm trying to point you. You're on
0: like, um That you prayed to God that he would help you through this. Yeah. And what was the sum of your conclusion?
2: I don't,
0: I don't remember that I, Josiah had said to me that in the midst of his silence, and this is a, a, from a father, a pastor, um, a believer in Jesus, Josiah's conclusion was is that when he prayed through the circumstance, he felt that God was not listening. That why did he allow me to go through this? And if he is the God that I have, I have been attending church for all my life, I have accepted him. His conclusion was that God, one, didn't love me or he just didn't answer my prayer and he was not real. That was, um, if you're listening and you caught that, some of you may attest to anxiety and panic attacks is that, is God real? Is he going to save me through this? Through what the I had experienced, it was hard for me as a father to suck that up and say, ooh. That's a conclusion that how can you not come to when he prays and God did not answer his prayer. Pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Ah, Oh, am I right? Am yeah, I correct yeah. on that?
2: Yeah, you're pretty spot on.
0: Yeah. Okay, Misty, I found the verse. Um, and I'm going to let you read it. Um, it's Philippians 4, 4 through 7. It's... Uh, It says rejoice. Start with the word rejoice with Ephesians 4.
1: Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.
0: Is that the one? Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> Jesus said uh, to his disciples, uh, "Do you not do you not let your hearts be troubled? Uh, trust in me, and trust also in God." Um, those are the passages that I go to, and and I think what I'll do is is that in the continuation of this episode, I will share a little bit of my panic attacks, anxieties, and my son always reminds me of of the Mike and Ike. And so, have you heard the Mike and Ike story? It about, sounds familiar.
1: But okay, I'm not so I'll
0: I'll I'll make a, again a Cliff Notes because. Uh, it It is a fairly lengthy one, but basically went to the movies with my son and his friend, and we watched the movie It, mm-hmm. that's chapter two, and I am not a horror um, movie guy at all, and so in the midst of that movie, I was eating some Mike and Ikes, and one got sort of lodged in the back of my throat. I wasn't choking, but I just simply was, uh, it was just lodged back there, and I thought that I was going to choke. So I immediately stood up, went and got some uh, water from the concession stand and drank it. And I started to wonder why I was starting to choke. And then I got home that night and I did what a lot of people should never do. And that is to Google your symptoms. If you have an ailment. And so I Googled my symptoms and I had dealt with some acid reflux earlier on and I had an ulcer. And so the conclusion I came up to was that I had esophageal cancer which is real. There's the dealing with uh, acid reflux, and one of the symptoms is delayed swallowing. And so I adopted that as my conclusion, my ailment, as I have cancer. And and so my biggest fears in my life is death, cancers, and anything health-related to me or my son or my wife. So my panic attack sent me into the ER twice, and it also created in me a insomnia. I couldn't sleep for a couple of months and so I spent so much money and a lot of other stories behind it but I was simply a train wreck and my family saw me in a tailspin and I was a wreck for several months. Sent me to counseling and so on and got me to this place of end up getting a book called the 10 most effective ways to deal with anxiety and panic attacks. I'll I'll speak a little bit more of that on a side note of this episode. But I was in a vicious tailspin of panic attacks, heart racing. Mm -hmm. It's a vicious cycle of what your mind is thinking and what your body is doing. And they're intertwined. So it sent me into uh, a cycle of fight or flight. Yeah. So then I was also doing ministry at the time. This took place over a weekend. And so I also had to put on a, a, a pastoral happy face that everything was fine. Um, But the panic attack that was shown in the movie Puss in Boots was so powerful to me because I related to that heart racing and, and trying to get clarity in the midst of a fog and so on. And so this episode just brought to light some realities about some panic attacks and some social anxieties. So with that being said, I miss you read a passage about the do not be anxious about anything in prayer and petition make your request known to God. I fear is a liar, or fear he is a liar, which is the enemy. It's a reference to an enemy that we're facing, uh, dealing with the devil, the enemy. That's what he convicts us. In fact, what I'm going to do is read us a second line of that, and we'll close out with some of this. When he told you you were troubled, you'll forever be alone. When he told you you should run away, you'll never find a home. When he told you you were dirty... And you should be ashamed when he told you you could be the one. This, that grace could never change. Fear is a liar. He will rob you uh, and of your rest. Cast your fear in the fire. And he also meant steal your happiness. Then the bridge goes, let your fire fall and cast all of my fears. And then so on. So to combine this song, Fear He is a Liar. What can we learn from and where can we go from here, Misty and Josiah, with our listeners to somewhere, depthless of fear? You mentioned fight or flight Mm -hmm. and there's fight or flight or freeze. What can we sort of tell our listeners? What can you relate to them and where you are today when it comes to fear and some anxieties and some, some panic attacks? Where are you? Hmm.
1: I know Good it's to a, tough it is a tough question. It's a tough question, and it's a
0: tough question. So, do you think that you'll 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 experience hmm. panic attacks in the future? Oh, probably. Yeah, one hundred percent. One hundred percent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, then if that's the case, then the enemy, the devil, wants to put a seed in there that you cannot escape. It. This is reality that you're surrounded by fear. Um, but what's the truth? What's the truth? Yes, you'll experience some panic attacks. What is the truth behind what Jesus views you guys as? Fear is a liar and says you can't get out of it. What is the uh, antithesis you of that? You
1: can get out of it. You can get out you of it. You can get out of it. And right now we're teaching other people about it. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're telling other people that you can get through it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not always easy. No. no. And sometimes you need, you know, just your mom's hand on your shoulder sure. or, you know, your pet sitting on your lap, something yeah. like that. But you will come out of it. Absolutely. And I mean, I think you told me, you said, what's the worst that can happen? And you said, you're not going to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: You're, you're, thanks for reminding me of that. Because I had to learn the catastrophizing question is, what's the worst thing that could happen? I'll just walk us through well, if um, if I had cancer, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to me? I die. Okay, as a believer, this isn't my home and this body is just temporary. So I'm going to hang out with Jesus forever. Okay. So the mind and the body had to wrestle around with the reality that if my faith in Jesus is so strong, why am I struggling? Why am I doubting? Why is my faith not that deep? So I had to wrestle with that truth is that maybe I don't believe it to be 100% I'm going to go to heaven because why would I be afraid? So I had to process this. What's the worst thing that happened? And I backed up. So if I if I die of cancer, I get to hang out with Jesus. So that's not the worst thing because I'm going to be heaven bound. Mm-hmm. So if you're facing jury stuff, what's the worst thing that happened? Well, let's say Adam, you die. Right. Well, what's the worst thing you get to hang out with Jesus? But you're not going to die unless something traumatic happens physically. Your heart stops. Your brain functions, right? right? So then that assures you. That if we say that the worst is not going to happen, then we can face it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Josiah, would you attest to that? Would you say, asking the question, what's the worst thing going to happen to me?
2: Yeah, and um, I think that's 100% correct. And I also think your experiences with panic attacks help you a lot. I think if you've, you, um, that's saying I wish anyone had a panic attack. Like, I'm right. not saying, take, <laughs> get, um, uh-huh. if, if you can't, then that's a miracle. But I think knowing it. That you got out of that last, last mm-hmm. like, yes, you got out of jury duty, but you got out of that panic attack. That when that next panic attack comes, you can be able to use those past experiences mm-hmm. to help. Yeah, help you out that I made it this far. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Help, um, that I'm going to make it out of this one. Mm-hmm. So,
0: what well, you're, I here love that because that panic attack didn't kill you. Right. That's a cool reminder because like. Man, what a what a uh, a gem of thought that you're going to face a panic attack. You're going to deal with the heart racing. You got to deal with your breathing exercises, mm-hmm. your mental centering yourself. But you're right. You can gain gain confidence that well, what's the worst thing that happened to my last one? Well, I'm alive to tell about it. Yeah.
1: Right. Right.
0: So social anxieties. You're going to face a lot of people. You're going to face crowds. You're going to face new experiences. Counselors have 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 said to face some of your fears, to get through some anxieties is face your fears. Mm -hmm. Michelle and I went uh, ziplining down on Fremont Street in uh, Las Vegas this last year. And it wasn't necessarily a fear. It was just, uh, but I faced it, went down the zipline Fremont Street, loved it. Those those are small things. But facing some of your fears uh, will assist you to say, I can get through it again. Mm -hmm. Right. And what do you guys think? The last thing is mental health. I am a proponent of mental health. Finding a counselor, finding someone who uh, can walk you through it. Josiah, what do you think? What are your thoughts on mental health and priority?
2: I think mental health is a huge part. You should take your mental health pretty much before anything else. Mm. Um, I mean, there's like God and all that stuff, but mental health is a very important thing that... Um, I think now we're starting to see people become a, a little bit more aware. Um, but I th- find something that's best for you to help you with your mental health. Mm-hmm. Now, not now, not now. Don't do something that you ruins your life or mm. anyone else's life. Right. So don't do drugs. Don't do this. But find something that's healthy or um, that um healthy um that doesn't hurt you or anyone around you, but also helps you your mental. Like go to the gym,
1: mm-hmm.
2: exercise. Um, um, even like play video games, like I know, like that's not a main thing, but it, but it's not good, it's not gonna cast off people you I read a
1: book last night about from a psychologist who actually uses video games as his self help. Really? Yes. That is so crazy. Just like, oh my god. That's pretty much how I, that's, that's awesome. Much, that's pretty much how I deal with
2: a lot of my mental health mm-hmm. is, um, playing video games, um, that don't, give me anxiety. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Or or, or, aggressive. aggressive. I'm going to interrupt. What what did last night you said, you said to me... I
2: said, um, I've been playing Fortnite for years now. Five plus years. Mm -hmm. And, towards these past couple years, I've had a rage. um, I've been a rage pretty much. I would hit stuff. I would throw stuff. Um, I've... Almost broken stuff, like physically, almost broken, mm-hmm. like my wrist or a knuckle for punching stuff. And after getting, realizing that I'm about to sneeze, but. Yeah, <laughs> have at it. It's real. That, with, um, that those, um, finding like those games do not help me in any gotcha. way. And I, and not playing those games have helped me in my mental health. It's, it's been, like I haven't felt any better. There I haven't. I mean, I might get mad um, at a video game, but I, I don't think I've ever. I haven't not ever, but I don't. I haven't smashed something. I haven't hit something in weeks because of it. Wow, that's
1: actually
0: yeah. pretty amazing. You listened. Um, be straight up. What kind of music?
2: <laughs> I listen to rap music.
0: Rap music um, through music. that season of Josiah's life. What you you? Name and claim the guy who.
2: There's been two main guys that have helped me throughout my entire journey through seventh grade and through. The rest was Eminem. At least through seventh, um, sixth and seventh grade, and then a guy named Juice World. Um, if you guys are into music you probably know who that is, or at least have heard his name around. He was a guy who has the who had the same kind of struggles I did. Anxiety, depression, feeling alone. Said the coping skills weren't necessarily the best in the world and he took drugs and then that ended up taking his life, um, in twenty nineteen. Yeah, um, those guys pretty much helped me who I am today mm-hmm. and how I deal with stuff, what not to do, what to do. And um, yeah, they speak to me pretty um So if you're into if you need to listen to music or anything, find a guy who can or find a person that speaks to you in that way. Mm -hmm. Who knows what you've been through or necessarily knows exactly, but has been in your shoes and find a guy that could, you know, that relates to you.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Missy, anything else you want to share? Can't think of anything okay the uh, answer to that is finding that one person that can relate there's people here on earth that we can relate find counselors and so on ultimately the the guy Jesus is going to be that comes in a journey form does not happen for everyone right now and then. I mean, it just in your faith journey, you'll end up finding that guy, Jesus, who is that answer, at least from my perspective and Missy's mm-hmm. perspective and I think Josiah's grounded foundation. Um, am I right? I don't want to yeah. answer for you.
2: Yeah. Please spot on.
0: Okay. I got a funny story. We're going to end with this. Uh, I was just told the other day, we were talking about fear. One of the things that I f- fear is setting mouse traps. If you have not f- Set a mouse trap. That dude, that'll freak you out. I set mouse traps, and so this gal, uh, I just was told. This is a funny story to end with, is that she was having a mouse mice problem in her house. She had gotten like two hundred something mice out of her home. Now check this out. Now you got to think about this for a moment. <laughs> this is so funny. This gal was using catch and release mouse trap. Think about that. Yeah, exactly. You see, almost like a headache, right? This thing oh. is like...
1: How many times did she catch
0: the same Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Isn't that funny? Oh. So, uh, yeah. Oh. So, and I was funny. I was just thinking about... So, no wonder why that, that mouse was getting, like, fatter and fatter and fatter because <laughs> it's the same mouse yeah. over and over and over and over again. Oh. It was a catch and release trap. Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> But uh, thanks, Misty Porter, Welcome. and thanks, Josiah Yunker, for uh, joining me. I know Josiah is working on and behind the scenes. He wants to get a YouTube channel going, uh, and and part of his YouTube channel will be about um, analyzing and digging deep into video games and stories. doing some reviews. Correct?
2: Yeah, deep dive on stories on different video games that some people don't understand or it might take forever to get to that story. Um, and so I'm going to do deep dive, like three or four hour long videos. Where can
0: yeah. we find it? Do you have a channel yet?
2: Yes, I do. Um, it's Josiah Gamer twenty one. I haven't posted anything on that. Well, I have but I deleted everything just to refresh.
0: So Josiah Gamer twenty one at uh YouTube?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have like six subscribers and most of that's like my friends and people, so hey, I haven't really starts. Yeah, I haven't really started um really doing it. Um there's gonna be a couple of videos I'm gonna post um that are not related to any story because those videos take sneaking forever. <clears throat> it took me like two months and I'm on like a, only like halfway through a script. So it takes... It takes a while. It takes it's a, a, a long time and I got to edit and do all that stuff. But yeah. It's so be cool.
0: on the lookout for that. Misty, I know that uh, you're... Uh, you have some non-profit. Tell t- 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 us a little bit about uh, your non-profit.
1: I forgot to mention that, didn't I? So it is uh, PMC Arts and Culture Foundation. We focus on youth art programs and adult art programs. And this month we're doing watercolor classes for the kids and I'm teaching them everything from color theory to doing some fun projects throughout the next four or five lessons. Um, We do mixed media art. We're gonna be doing some soap making, paper making, all sorts of stuff. You know, stuff that you didn't know you needed to know. Yeah. But um, we do have a website. It is pmcarts.org. And you can find all sorts of information on there about what we are, who we, you know, what we help, everything, scholarships, all of it. Oh, wow. Yep.
0: When you listen to this podcast, make, make sure you encourage people to subscribe. Uh, click on the subscribe and put your email. Be sure if this connects with you to share it, uh, especially with the panic attacks and social anxieties and fear uh, boy, we could have went hours and hours to talk about yes. fear, right, guys? Yes. We, yeah, we, I, yeah. I just looked in Missy and Josiah's face, uh, and they were just like, they. It was awesome to watch, and I hope you were able to capture listening in where we wanted to go with this podcast and um, check out our uh, our podcast channel, And then also any of the Spotify. Apple, and so on, yada, yada, yada. Thanks, guys, for joining me. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.